entrepreneurs, small business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got it. Welcome to the Business Builders Show. I'm really happy you have decided to join us today. I'm Marty Wolf, along with my sidekick, Carrie Carney, and our producer, Tom Jenkins. We're going to do our best to inform, educate, and inspire you, our audience of entrepreneurs, small business owners, and anyone who is seeking excellence in their personal and professional lives. Guys, today, we're going to talk about how to speed things up. And how to slow things down. The idea that innovation and regulation are like oil and water, and that we should take a look at what has become accepted behavior. We've got a lot of some yin and yang going on today. The right? push and pull of life. Yeah, we got different things happening today. First part of the show will be about speed and innovation. Carrie has been taking a closer look at a company called Uber. I'll spell it for those of you who have been living under a rock, possibly have never heard of this. It's U-B-E-R, and that will be our first segment. Then we are bringing back one of my famous and favorite authors, Cal Newport, who will talk about why skills trump passion in the quest for work you love. And finally, we will review a couple of Cal's blog posts that suggest that we should take a new look at email and maybe we should think about slowing down a little bit. So, Carrie, you've been really anxious to talk about Uber. I'm saying it right, aren't I? Yes, yes. Oh, okay, so let's talk about Uber. What's it all about, man? Well, um, my daughter hurt her knee, and she lives in New York City. So she had to take a cab service or a car service. Mm -hmm. And I noticed on a bill, Uber. So mm -hmm. I thought immediately my daughter was renting a stretch limousine <laughs> to get around the school and uh, immediately thought, why is she blowing money again? But upon further review, uh, yes. she explained to me that it was the best option that she had in getting a uh, car or taxi service yeah. to get to school in a timely manner. And voila, it costs cheaper than it was, taxis. It, it was less than taxis. a traditional taxi yes, in, in what say, New York City? In New York City, okay, yeah. Right. She lives in the East Village to right. get down to the Wall Street area. Right. Interesting. So that led me to uh, do a little research on this company, Uber. You found it interesting. Found cool. it fascinating. Excellent. Fascinating. Excellent. Good. Uh, currently, Uber is in, uh, and they, they refer to it as a share ride service. Mm -hmm. um, and it's in over 50 countries. Well over 200 cities, and they did a recent uh, another fundraising for them and came up, I believe the number was close to $3 billion was raised in this recent round. Yeah, and, and you're raising that money that they have an extraordinarily high valuation, uh, higher than... The valuation is at $18.2 billion. Wow, wow. Startup company Yeah, at that valuation already. Started in 209. Wow. Okay. And uh, you know now they're looking at uh, making arrangements with the NFL, uh, helicopter share ride, just really unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but a great company like this does not run into resistance. They're being fought in every major city that they're in by the taxi cab 
services that they, are regulated. They do run in res, in, they into do. resistance. They've yes. run into tons of resistance. It right. started out in San Francisco. They hit that resistance immediately uh, where the government has regulated taxi cabs and limousine services for the good of man. And what this has led to, the author from Forbes magazine, right. a guy by the name of Larry Downs, right. uh, wrote that he started the article that he had a long day, caught the red eye, came back, and had to get into a dirty cab. The cab driver was borderline rude. Uh, the cab was dirty. The trunk was dirty where he had to put his lug, uh, lug, luggage. Luggage, yes. Uh, all in all, when he got back to his appointed uh, place that he wanted to be dropped off, nobody got killed. <laughs> so he thought eh, it was a successful <laughs> cab ride, although he was really, really indifferent to it all. That's it, a wonderful expectation. Yeah, isn't it? yeah nobody got Nobody's killed. Nobody's killed, so we did our job good. <laughs> but that's the point that Carrie is making, right? That's the point <laughs> that this article is and, making that Carrie is making. And this is what, after saying that funny line, in regulated industry, Industry, that constitutes a success in a regulated industry. Yeah, you've met the letter of the law, I guess. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You picked someone up. Your cab didn't have to be real clean. You didn't have to be a conversationalist. You know, right? doing everything opposite of our friend Taxi Terry. <laughs> right. <laughs> and think of what Taxi Terry says. He sets that expectation out there. Right. Are you ready for the best cab ride of your life? Right. You could not get more polarized than what Terry does. Yes. Yes. Good. Point. So good they point. found this, and what they did is they uh, the business model itself is uh, you have a newer car. You uh, are licensed. You have insurance. You become like an affiliate of Uber Mm -hmm. where everything is done on your mobile. Right. You put your credit card information on. They know through GPS where you are. You put in that you would like a cab sent over at such and such time. You can even ask your neighbor if they would like to split the cost. Mm. So when you're waiting out in front of your brownstone Mm. with your neighbor, they already know this cab ride is going to be cut in half. There is no swiping of credit cards. You do not tip the driver. It's all done with technology. Mm. Via your smartphone. On an app. And I know in New York, you can't call for a cab service. It's luck is if you just wave it down and they have to be there. Or if you're in line at a hotel, you take the one that's in line. Is that correct? You get the next dirty cab that's available. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So they've been uh, running into resistance, as I said, because in these regulated cities where they have so many cabs and they're just doing the minimum amount of service, What they've done is instead of trying to beat them with service, they're relying on going back to the government and say, hey, we got this nice little niche over here. You got to stop the competition from trying to encroach on our business. Mm -hmm. It has been working in some cities Uh, over in Paris. They had mass taxi cab strikes to fight this Mm -hmm. Um, in a lot of the cities in the U.S. It has been struck down that they were faced with fines. But the government finally or the court said. It's okay to do. This is where the fight is, regulation versus innovation. Innovation, And actually right. a point that I want to bring home with Uber is that it is all over the world that this is happening. Yes. Just yes. not in the United States, yes. right? But the best thing I found in this article is, at the tail end, he shift gears from just the concept of having to have something regulated. 
you may or may not know that the government wants to take over and regulate the next version of the internet. Mm. And the statistics or the facts would bear out that everything the government does is not for innovation, to push it forward, to make it better. That's really the difference in a non-regulated environment. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to bring usually the service level up first and make innovation work for people. Mm. And that's the niche that they found and they brought it. And my daughter says, it's great. The guy she usually gets is free water waiting for her, maybe a little snack. Excellent. Excellent. And gets her there very fast, polite. They just found a niche and they are giving service, proving what Simon Sinek says. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Service, baby. Excellent. Thanks so much, Carrie. Appreciate it. We'll be right back on the Business Builder Show. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. Marty Wolf here. I want to introduce you to my newest sponsor, Live Mercury. As you know, I put a premium on real-world experience. That's why, when I decided to upgrade my web presence, I sat down with Live Mercury, a digital agency that specializes in taking a strategic approach to success online. Every one of their strategy experts has extensive experience starting new ventures as well as working with existing businesses to achieve success. My new site just launched, and I'd love to know what you think. But I also have a very special offer for the first 10 listeners who go to 30 Minutes with my marketing coach.com. I've asked Live Mercury to give the first 10 listeners who go to 30 minutes with my marketing coach.com a no obligation 30 minute review of your website with the Live Mercury website strategy expert. Go to 30 minutes with my marketing coach.com right now and apply some real world experience to your web presence. For your next regional or national meeting, are you looking for a professional facilitator to keep things on track so your meeting meets the objectives? Have you assembled a group of subject matter experts for a panel and you need a moderator who is skilled in keeping the conversation focused on what really matters? Do you want a speaker for your next meeting who will engage the audience in a way that makes the meeting fun and memorable? Marty Wolf of The Business Builder Show is available for your next important event. You can contact him at... 570-815-1626. Marty has facilitated hundreds of meetings in all kinds of settings. He has interviewed hundreds of CEOs, authors, professional speakers, and thought leaders from many different industries. Planning an important meeting? Want to feel confident you will achieve the results you planned for? Then call Marty Wolf at 570-815-1626. Or log on to MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. Presenting the thought leaders of today, it's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. Welcome back to the Business Builders Show. Our special guest today is Cal Newport. Cal, welcome to the Business Builders Show. Hey, Marty. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm thrilled. Um, Allow me to introduce Cal. He is an assistant professor of computer science at Georgetown University. He previously earned his Ph.D. from MIT in 2009 and graduated from Dartmouth College in 2004. In addition to his academic work, Cal Newport is a writer who focuses on contrarian 
evidence-based advice for building a successful and fulfilling life. Cal, that's what I really like. We're going to get into your evidence-based information soon. Your most recent book is So Good They Can't Ignore You, Why Skills Trump Passion in the Quest for Work You Love. This book has won several awards. I could go on with that, but I'm going to just say that it has won several awards and has been recognized by by such great thinkers as Daniel Pink, who we were honored to have on this show a few months ago. So, Cal, again, welcome. And, um, Cal, we have referenced your work several times in our past shows. It is so relevant for our audience of entrepreneurs and small business owners and professionals who seek excellence. So let's start at the beginning, Cal. What inspired you to write this great book? Well, I wrote it because I needed it, which is the case with most of my books, actually. Uh, So for So Good They Can't Ignore You, I was in a transition in my career. Mm -hmm. I was finishing grad school. Uh, I was a postdoc, and the expected next step was to become a professor. Mm -hmm. And that's a big decision, because if done right, that could be a job for life. Mm-hmm. So I thought if there was any time in my life I needed to understand how do people really end up with fulfilling careers, this was the most important one or two years of my life to try to get an answer to that question. So I went out to write a book about it. So I wrote it because I wanted it. Hmm. Yeah, and I've, I've watched your uh, YouTube videos. And again, Cal Newport, uh, check him out. If you just Google, you'll see the uh, videos and you'll see some of the presentations that Cal did. But before you do that, listen to this great interview because we want to uh, we want to like get you real excited about this. Okay, so you needed it, and, and and that was great. And in your talks and in your book, you refer to a speech that Steve Jobs uh, gave at a college commencement ceremony a few years ago, a few years back. Tell us about that and how you connected that in the book. Start there. So once you start looking into this question, how do people end up loving what they do, you're very quickly going to stumble upon this commencement address by Steve Jobs at Stanford University. And in this address, he said, essentially, uh, you have to do what you love. If you haven't found it yet, don't settle. Keep looking. That speech was viewed over six million times, and I think it's important because it basically encapsulates how our current culture, and especially the young generation that I'm a part of, thinks about fulfilling work. Mm -hmm. They think it's about finding what you love and then matching your career Mm -hmm. to that discovery. This has become the dominant piece of career thinking for people really interested in a working life you love. And as I looked into it, the the issue was very quickly it became clear that it's actually pretty bad advice. Mm Mm-hmm. Isn't there evidence to actually connect that between um, your passion and job satisfaction? I don't want to jump ahead, but isn't there actual data that's, you know, is job satisfaction high or low in, 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 in terms of, oh, we'll talk about the United States today. Is there a connection there? Yeah, there's an interesting trend. I mean, what I noticed is I went back and first found how the prevalence of the phrase follow your passion increased in the printed English language over time. And you see this period starting in the early 90s and hitting its peak around the time Steve Jobs gave that speech in which the usage of this phrase in American printed English skyrocketed, exponential Mm -hmm. growth. During the same period, job satisfaction among American uh, employed has been plummeting Mm. through economic booms and bust. It's not just about a particular bad business cycle, and it's been falling the fastest for the youngest group of job seekers, which is the group that is most interested and most connecting to this advice to follow your passion. Now, that's 
correlation, not causation. But I think that tells us there's something interesting going on. In this period where we reoriented our thinking about careers to say, do what you love, we see people are less happy than ever before. So, yeah, interesting. Fascinating, actually. You know, and again, uh, that's one of the key things when I was looking at the book, you know, thinking, hmm, you know, as I did some other, uh, you know, information in this. And you actually say passion is dangerous in terms of your first rule, it says here and in your book, is rule number one, don't follow your passion. You actually say passion can be dangerous. Give me a little more details on that. In more detail, the strategy of identifying a pre-existing passion and then using that to make a career choice, that strategy is dangerous. And what I want to make clear is that people often mix up the goal of ending up passionate about your work, which I think is a great goal, and the goal I was pursuing when I wrote this book. They mix up that goal with the specific strategy of identifying a pre-existing passion and using that the foundation for career decisions. Now, what I found when I looked into it is that that strategy often leads people to have more confusion and more unhappiness than if they hadn't heard about it at all. Mm-hmm. And it's because a lot of people, especially young people, don't have pre-existing passions to follow. And for the small percentage that do, we don't have a lot of evidence that just because you like a topic, that that is in any way enough to build a long-term fulfilling career in that field. Mm. I think, did this come from you, the passion hypothesis? Is that, uh, that's the belief that we're not, that we've been following, right? I love that phrase, passion hypothesis, which you're, from the evidence, is saying, hmm, not so fast, right? Yeah, that's right. So that's a, a phrase I coined to just make clear exactly what the assumption is behind the advice to follow your passion or do what you love. The assumption is that the match is what matters. If you match your work to a pre-existing inclination, passion, or talent, then you'll be happy. It's the match that matters. And all the evidence tells us that the match is not that important. It's what you do once you have the job, and this is often a long-term process, that determines whether or not you end up with a fulfilling career. So to obsess over the match like we do right now is setting people up for failure when it comes to the goal of ending up loving their work. I guess that would lead us to rule number two from your book. Be so good they can't ignore you. And and I love the idea, uh, Cal, of the clarity of the craftsman. And you talk about a guitar player named Jordan Tice. T- tell us that story. It's fascinating. Yeah, Jordan Tice is a, a guitar player in the new acoustic style. And I went and spent some time with him when I was researching this book because I was interested in how real craftsmen, people who, who are unambiguously you know, trying to improve a clear skill, how they approach their work. And I was impressed by the, the difficulty, the, the, the focus, the intensity, and ultimately the deep fulfillment that someone like Jordan Tice gets out of his work. I sat there in his room and watched him practice. That was not an easy thing to watch. Mm-hmm. It is hard to improve your guitar capability. And what I noticed is, hey, this is so different than how knowledge workers think about their jobs. I'm trying to think, when's the last time I saw a knowledge worker with that same level of intensity or focus that, say, a professional guitar player Mm -hmm. or a professional chess player has in their practice? Mm -hmm. And it led me to this notion that if you brought some of that into the world of the type of knowledge work jobs that most of my generation are taking, imagine how quickly your skills would grow. And ultimately, I make the case that uh, skills is what's going to be the key, the foundation and the key on which a passionate career is built. So it's very important that we talk about how do you actually get better approaching your work like a craftsman, like Jordan Tice with his guitar, as being the right philosophy for building a long-term meaningful career. 
approaching your work as a craftsman. I love that. I've said that repeatedly. I've quoted you repeatedly, Cal, on that. I think that's so, so great. Um, we've got about a minute left in this segment. I, I want to talk about also in rule number two, be good so be so good they can't ignore you. You mentioned someone who I'm familiar with, Ira Glass, who's a radio guy. Um, tell us about that. And he, he has a show, This American Life. Tell us what the, the kind of lessons that he shared. Well, the big advice of this chapter is that the things that make a working life great are rare and valuable. So you have to get good first before you have something to offer for them. And I I learned that lesson in part from Ira Glass, who in this famous interview with some college students said, you guys are trying to figure things out in advance, and this is your tragic mistake, and then went on and talked about his own radio career, where he said the hard part is pushing yourself through that long stage of getting better, which is just hard work and is frustrating, but until you get through that stage, you really can't expect good things out of your career. Be good at something, get good at something rare and valuable. We need to take a short break. We are speaking with Cal Newport, who is the author of a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You. Subtitle is, and it's It's important why skills trump passion in the quest for work you love. We're going to be taking a short break. You're listening to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. We'll be right back. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. Marty Wolf here. I want to introduce you to my newest sponsor, Live Mercury. As you know, I put a premium on real-world experience. That's why, when I decided to upgrade my web presence, I sat down with Live Mercury, a digital agency that specializes in taking a strategic approach to success online. Every one of their strategy experts has extensive experience starting new ventures as well as working with existing businesses to achieve success. My new site just launched, and I'd love to know what you think. But I also have a very special offer for the first 10 listeners who go to 30 Minutes with my marketingcoach.com. I've asked Live Mercury to give the first 10 listeners who go to 30 minutes with my marketingcoach.com a no obligation 30 minute review of your website with the Live Mercury website strategy expert. Go to 30 minutes with my marketingcoach.com right now and apply some real world experience to your web presence. The greatest customer experience I've ever encountered originated in an unlikely location. However, it created a story that's gone viral on YouTube and has been heard in person by over a million people. Driver of the cab, it's going to be mine, jumps out of his cab, points at me in the front of the line and shouts, Are you ready for the best cab ride of your life? <laughs> said, I'm Taxi Terry. Great, I got the motivational cab driver. <laughs> this is Scott McCain. The lessons I learned from that amazing cab driver form the basis of my new book, Seven Tenets of Taxi Terry, how every employee can create and deliver the ultimate customer experience. No matter your position or the size of the organization where you work, you can grow your business and create distinction with these seven lessons. This new book is available on Amazon.com and wherever business books are sold. If a cab driver can deliver the ultimate customer experience, you can too. Discover the tenets to distinctive success in the Seven Tenets of Taxi Terry. Informing, educating, and encouraging. The Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. Welcome back to the Business Builder Show. We are with our special guest, who is Cal Newport. Again, Cal's book is so good, they can't ignore you. 
Why skills trump passion in the quest for work you love. Cal, I, I want to make sure that people can connect with you if they wish to do so. What's the best way to do that? Uh, calnewport.com, my name.com, will get you all the information you need. And, and I subscribe, and I see his, his blogs and the information, and it, it continues to uh, fuel my brain and, and give me new insights to this great book and to, to the things that Cal is talking about. I do suggest that people buy this book immediately especially if you're thinking about a career change, because um, there's been an analogy uh, of, uh, you know, don't change uh, careers like, uh, change careers like Tarzan. And, you know, there's a friend of ours that says, you know, hold on to the one before you go to the other one. So if you got Tarzan going from rope to rope. So I got off track a little bit there, Cal, if you don't mind. Okay, we are back to the book. And if rule number three in your book is you say, turn down a promotion, uh, Okay, this one needs some explanation. So I'll, I'll set the stage for that rule. The, the grounding philosophy of the book, the, the pattern I found when I studied people who love what they do is that they first got really good. They became so good they can't be ignored. That gave them leverage in their career, right? Because they mm-hmm. had something rare and valuable to offer, and then they used that leverage to start shaping their career in ways that resonated with them. So the point of this rule to turn down a promotion is to give you a concrete, somewhat contrarian example of what it looks like to be good and therefore have leverage over your career. And turn down your promotion was actually talking about a particular case study, Mm -hmm. a database developer named Lulu, who I profiled in the book, who uh, worked her way up in the world of database development, became very good, and they were offering her money and a big promotion and a lot of power, but she was much more interested in autonomy and time affluence and the ability to go visit her family in in, in South Asia uh, for months out of the year. So she turned down that promotion and said, no, and I'm so good, I can dictate other terms. Mm -hmm. I'm going to work on contract. I'm going to do it eight months out of the year, and I'm going to do it from home. It was an example of how someone ended up in a working life that's very fulfilling by first getting good, and then step two, using that as leverage to take control of their working life. Get really good, then you will become passionate, and you will love the work that you do once you've gone through all that hard work of becoming and learning something rare and valuable. I love that. That was great. Okay, rule number four, think small, act big. And uh, give me a story or two or details on that. Think small, act big. So this was another big one that came up when I was studying people who love what they do. So there was a large subset of this crowd that what made them fulfilled is that they had a mission that their entire working life was oriented around. One of the profiles in this section, for example, was a biologist, a young biologist at Harvard, uh, Party Sabeti, who was doing this breakthrough work where they were using computer algorithms to find these genetic markers that were going to allow them to cure ancient deadly diseases. I mean, her, her whole working life was built around this, was very meaningful, she loves her work. So I set out to understand, okay, how do people get organizing missions for their working life. And it turns out that most people have this wrong. Hmm. Most people suspect that what you do is you start with the mission. You, you sit there at the age of 21, you navel gaze, you, you watch TED Talks and get a, get a burst of inspiration and say, now I know what I want to do. And then you, you chase that passionately and build this career around it. What I discovered instead is that missions usually do not become apparent to people until they get to the cutting edge 
of their field. This is what the science writer Stephen Johnson talks about as the adjacent possible right beyond the cutting edge. That's where big ideas and career-defining missions are found. But of course, to get to the cutting edge of your field is another way of saying, hey, step one, you have to become good. You have to be really good at what you're doing before the cool stuff starts to happen. So even when we see these cool missions that we see people give talks on, it's inspiring. Even there, there is no shortcutting the chapter two advice that you have to first put your head down, treat your work like a craftsman, and become really good at it. That is the unavoidable foundation of passionate, meaningful careers. Mm. That I wish we could say that all again for those listening to this. Of course, uh, you can listen to the shows by after uh, after the show by going to businessbuildersglobal.com. You should listen to that part to this whole interview at least ten times. That was so powerful. Um, Gee, I, I'm getting confused because there's so many things I want to talk about <laughs> that I'm kind of like jumping all over the place. I, I, let's kind of, not to the end because we've got plenty of time, but there's so many important parts, Cal, to, to what you're saying. Um, let's kind of think about, let, let's, let's prioritize if I can and, and uh, put you on the spot a little bit. There's loaded with great ideas. What would be some of the um, star moments or something that they will always remember. When, when you want to, if you had to boil this down, what are a couple of points that you would uh, talk about and you'd want everybody to remember? There's two big points that I think capture the whole philosophy that, that I'm preaching here. So point number one is that our culture thinks of passion as a pre-existing trait, like our eye color. It's something that you have, you just have to identify. The reality is that in the professional world, passion is the side effect of running your career in the right way. It's the goal, it's how you wanna feel about your career. It's not an intrinsic trait for you to identify. So the strategy of discovering a passion and following it just does not match the reality mm-hmm. of how people end up passionate about what they do. So the second point answers the question, what should you do instead? And that's where we get to this notion of skill. If you study people who love what they do, eight or nine out of 10 are gonna give you the same story. They got really good at something rare and valuable, then used that as leverage to take control of their career. And it's at that point that all the cool things start to happen that really characterize the types of careers that we daydream about. Hmm. How did this all work out for you? What are you doing right now? (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's worked pretty well for me, Uh, so I'm, I'm a, professor now, but that's a long process. And something I ended up writing about after the book came out is let's think about the process of becoming a professor, because once you actually are a professor and established, it can be a very cool job. You have lots of flexibility. It's incredibly intellectually stimulating. You have, you know, it's, it's a very cool job, but there's a very long process to, got, you know, to get there. And I, I wrote an article, for example, about the first years of graduate school, for example, are almost always a hard time for people mm-hmm. because you're not good yet. You mm-hmm. don't know a lot yet. You're just getting started on your path of education. And if I had subscribed to the passion hypothesis... I would have dropped out of grad school, I'm sure, after just a couple of years, because I'd say, I'm not passionate about this every day. I don't love this every day. But fortunately, I never was a big believer in that philosophy, because what happened is, as I got better and better, my passion for my work grew. So I'm very passionate about my work today. I, I would tell anyone, yeah, you should have the goal of ending up passionate about your work. But I would just say, to find a pre-existing passion, that's not what I did, and that's probably not going to work for you either. Mm. 
Work hard. The passion will come. The excellence will come. Uh, and you can choose a life. You can, in the quest for work you love, you'll find it as long as you work hard. Tell us again, Cal, uh, just uh, what's the best way to connect with you? Google your name or go to your website. Tell us again. Yeah, you can uh, Google Cal Newport or just go to calnewport.com. And you'll see all kinds of information there and subscribe to uh, to his blogs and to all the information. So we have been speaking with Cal Newport, who's the author of a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You, Why Skills Trump Passion in the Quest for Work You Love. Cal, thank you so much for taking the, the time to write a great book and time to join us to help entrepreneurs and small business owners. Thanks so much. Thank you, Marty. I enjoyed it. Presenting the thought leaders of today. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. Marty Wolf here. I want to introduce you to my newest sponsor, Live Mercury. As you know, I put a premium on real-world experience. That's why, when I decided to upgrade my web presence, I sat down with Live Mercury, a digital agency that specializes in taking a strategic approach to success online. Every one of their strategy experts has extensive experience starting new ventures as well as working with existing businesses to achieve success. My new site just launched, and I'd love to know what you think. But I also have a very special offer for the first 10 listeners who go to 30 Minutes with my marketingcoach.com. I've asked Live Mercury to give the first 10 listeners who go to 30 minutes with my marketingcoach.com a no obligation 30 minute review of your website with the Live Mercury website strategy expert. Go to 30 minutes with my marketingcoach.com right now and apply some real world experience to your web presence. For your next regional or national meeting, are you looking for a professional facilitator to keep things on track so your meeting meets the objectives? Have you assembled a group of subject matter experts for a panel and you need a moderator who is skilled in keeping the conversation focused on what really matters? Do you want a speaker for your next meeting who will engage the audience in a way that makes the meeting fun and memorable? Marty Wolf of the Business Builder Show is available for your next important event. You can contact him at... 570-815-1626. Marty has facilitated hundreds of meetings in all kinds of settings. He has interviewed hundreds of CEOs, authors, professional speakers, and thought leaders from many different industries. Planning an important meeting? Want to feel confident you will achieve the results you planned for? Then call Marty Wolf at 570-815-1626 or log on to MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. Presenting the thought leaders of today, it's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. Welcome back to the Business Builders Show. Tom, a round of applause for segment one. Mr. Kerry Carney. He did fantastic. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Don't let it go to your head. <laughs> I'm taking over again, Kerry. Because <laughs> you did good. You done real good, brother. Handing the keys back to you. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Cal Newport. Love the guy. Love his book. His book is so good they can't ignore you. Why skills trump passion in the quest for work you love. And I follow his blogs. And... Uh, I just want to say this as a reminder to what he said to connect to what we're going to where we're going to go in segment four. You can't become a craftsman or learn something rare and valuable if you are continually distracted. It just can't happen. Now, in today's world, we know that there are distractions and we know that there are different things going on and uh, different jobs require different things. But 
to the basis of what Cal says, and we're going to talk about a couple of things, is that it's true. You, you just simply can't develop a rare and valuable skill if you're looking at your email every five minutes and responding to something. Yeah, that's that, that sense, myth that it? multitasking actually exists. Yeah. So Cal is, maybe the word is irreverent. I'm not sure. He's a, he's a, he's a rebel. He's a contrarian. He looks at things in a different point of view. He looks at things from his point of view, which is he about a 30-year-old uh, professor at Georgetown now, or assistant professor. So one of his... his that fits uh, into the millennials. Yeah, yeah. So he looks at it his way, although there's a lot of depth in what it is. Yes. You know it's changed my yeah. thinking on a lot of things. Yes. The first blog that we want to talk about is that he titles it, uh, Spend Three Months on Important Projects. And this is what he calls a deep habit. And... He was, um, well, he points out, he starts in the blog, say, during a period of only three months, Stephen King, writer, of course, that we, most of us know, in three months, King, Stephen King published two full-length novels <laughs> in three months. Now, as he points out, as Cal points out, this is uh, productivity even for someone as prolific as Stephen King. Yeah. This is pretty strong. So Cal did a little research, and, and there was that, there's actually a thing out there called the Barnes & Noble, a Barnes & Noble blog, something about the list of 20 tips from King's uh, professional memoir, which is on writing. One of the things that uh, Cal saw, is I'll, I'll read the quote, it says, um, the first draft of a book, even a long one, should take no more than three months, the length of a season. Now, this is Stephen King saying that. The first draft of a book, even a long one, should take no longer than three months the length of a season. Cal says, hmm, that kind of resonated with me. It made me think a little bit. And he points out that certainly good things take time. But the question is, um, should they take too much time? And if they do, would you lose focus? That's the real question. Cal thinks that a period of three months seems to make sense where you can get focused on getting some really great work done. Now, if you read Cal's book and if you listen to his interview, he talks about um, being so good you can't be ignored over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And he uses, um, uh, what's his name? I'm losing a blank. Martin. Steve Martin. Oh, okay. Right? As the example of someone who over a lifetime got so good they can't ignore you at comedy. So he's pointing out the difference here of a lifetime of work versus three months of work. And here's the big difference. Cal is suggesting, Stephen King is suggesting, if you want to work on a specific project, like Carrie, we want to bring on some new radio stations to listen to the Business Builders show. Right? Exactly. We have a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal, and I'm throwing this out. We want to have that goal for the next three months, first quarter, winter, as an example. Focus on that for three months. Try to get something, this thing extraordinarily done. But if you want to become a craftsman, that takes a long time. Tom Jenkins didn't walk in here and start using the board. Tom Jenkins spent uh, X number of years. <laughs> Many years, right, Tom? Many, yes. <laughs> Many years to be the producer, the quality producer he is. So you see the difference between this mm -hmm. three months and, 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 being, and, and really becoming a craftsman? There's a difference. But this three months is an important thing to think about to work on a very specific project. Th did that make sense? Cause I, don't I think it fleshes it out. Are you really 
intense in those three months, or are you just on the one specific your project? Passion? Yeah, on the on one, one specific, specific project. That's project. the key. I mean, <clears throat> to, the totality of it is. You become an expert because you focus on the project, writing in this instance. But on a specific project, that intensity should only last one season and then on to the next project. If you want to become, you want to write a book, that might take three months. You want to be an, a world-class writer, that might take 30 years. Right, right. Stay with it, stay with it, stay with it. You know, really get skilled at it and that will become your passion. The next blog from uh, Cal Newport, and I do suggest that you follow cal newport and he says it's okay to be bad at email seems like we've been talking about this in prior shows i don't know this seems to be a topic today maybe in our distracted slash disruptive world and cal says he admits that he doesn't surf the web he doesn't have a social media account and that he's really lousy at answering emails now once again let's put this in context he is a uh, either a professor or an assistant professor at Georgetown. And um, he says he can go a whole day without looking at his inbox. And quite frankly, right now, a thing that I've started to do, Kerry, is that every week, uh, the two sections, like the social part of my uh, email and the promotion, promotion, I completely delete the file. I scan it and I completely eliminate it. I throw everything out there. And often, I will eliminate all my emails because if I haven't acted on them by then... It, they're probably not that important. Well, that explains why my pleas for a raise have gone on deaf ears. No, no that was intentionally. You always deleted. get back to me. Yeah. Um, but so Cal Newport, in terms of being so good they can't ignore you and being focused, he says it's okay to be bad at email. And here's his point you only have so many hours to work each day. That's Cal, that's us. If you're working on becoming excellent at something, it comes back to what we said earlier. Now, for Cal, this has been really good, ignoring some emails or not looking at social media continuously. This has been good in terms of his role as a professor because mm-hmm. you should be thinking deeply. But as a role, his role in the, in the bureaucracy or responding to bosses or doing something like this, they, this may not be a good thing, right? No. Yeah. Now, here's what happened. And I believe strongly that this is what happened at some point, And he claims it's in the 1990s that we slash and so many of us are knowledge workers anymore. We just think that, you know, looking at every single email and responding to every single email immediately is a must. It's not. It's not for everybody. If you are in customer service and you have to have quick response, you need to do that. If you're in a business or an industry where it takes some thought, some analysis, you'd be better off probably to don't look at that email, prioritize them, and quite frankly, delete the whole thing sometime because if something is important, guess what? People will send you an email. People will come back. Now, you decide this in your own business, in your own industry. I am become a strong supporter of Cal Newport, his book, his work. I think he makes a lot of sense. And this is the part where we said at the beginning of the show, Carrie, we're going to talk about innovation and creativity. And you talked about that with Uber. Mm-hmm. And then I also said at the beginning of the show that we're going to talk potentially about slowing things down and thinking a little deeper. And so 
focusing on your three months and slow down and get focused and then also think rethinking your email. So I think we connected it all together. So we set out to inform, educate, and inspire you. How did we do? Connect with me, because I do use social media, on Twitter. And you can find me at at Marty Wolf CEO. That's at Marty Wolf CEO on Twitter. Or certainly just search me on Facebook at Marty Wolf Business Solutions to give me some feedback or to stay in touch with what we're doing. The story of Uber Part of the share is part of what's called the sharing economy. We need to understand what's happening in our world today. And again, highly suggest you follow Cal Newport. Tom and Kerry, thanks for helping doing the show. We are very, very proud of. Next week we have Ari Weinswig of Zingerman's. All business people will love this interview. For those in the restaurant business, this show is mandatory. I'm Marty Wolf. Thanks for listening to the Business Builder Show, and have a great week. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. Marty Wolf here. I want to introduce you to my newest sponsor, Live Mercury. As you know, I put a premium on real-world experience. That's why, when I decided to upgrade my web presence, I sat down with Live Mercury, a digital agency that specializes in taking a strategic approach to success online. Every one of their strategy experts has extensive experience starting new ventures as well as working with existing businesses to achieve success. My new site just launched, and I'd love to know what you think. But I also have a very special offer for the first 10 listeners who go to 30 Minutes with my marketingcoach.com. I've asked Live Mercury to give the first 10 listeners who go to 30 Minutes with my marketingcoach.com a no obligation 30 minute review of your website with the Live Mercury website strategy expert. Go to 30 Minutes with my marketingcoach.com right now and apply some real world experience to your web presence. The greatest customer experience I've ever encountered originated in an unlikely location. However, it created a story that's gone viral on YouTube and has been heard in person by over a million people. Driver of the cab is going to be mine, jumps out of his cab, points at me in the front of the line and shouts, Are you ready for the best cab ride of your life? He said, I'm Taxi Terry. Great, I got the motivational cab driver. <laughs> this is Scott McCain. The lessons I learned from that amazing cab driver form the basis of my new book, Seven Tenets of Taxi Terry, how every employee can create and deliver the ultimate customer experience. No matter your position or the size of the organization where you work, you can grow your business and create distinction with these seven lessons. This new book is available on Amazon.com and wherever business books are sold. If a cab driver can deliver the ultimate customer experience, you can too. Discover the tenets to distinctive success in the seven tenets of Taxi Terry.